Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? All right. Well, it's good to have you guys with us today. We're actually kicking off a brand new series in the book of 2 Timothy. As you guys know, we love to go through the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter and kind of tear it apart. And so the next five weeks, we're going to be in a series called How to Be Brave in 2 Timothy. Uh, my desire is this, a couple of things. Number one, that you would actually read the Bible throughout the week. Some of y'all are like, <laughs> um, you know, um, it's not just that so you can come to church to quote unquote get fed, but that you actually learn to feed yourself and read God's word and understand God's word. And so this series is designed to do that. Um, also, what I want to do is I do verse by verse series for a reason. So I don't preach the things I just want to preach. You know, like certain things are easy, David and Goliath, easy to preach, Right. Joshua crossing the Jordan is easy. It's easy to preach what we call narrative in the Bible, like Job. That was a good series. But what I want to do is actually look at the New Testament book of the Bible and for us to walk through it and for you to go, ah, I understand more now. And hopefully you're reading uh, with us on social media. We have posted and kept it out there. So every week we'll be following pretty much a different chapter in 2 Timothy. Today we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I want to speak to you about the greatest danger to the gospel, the greatest danger to the gospel. Now, I'm going to share a story with you, and um, you guys, uh, you're not allowed to laugh. I'm going to bear my heart to you. But when I was uh, 17 years old, I I, graduated um, uh, high school, and as I was running or walking down the the line for the seniors football day, varsity football day, you had the roses in my hand, my parents met me out at midfield, and they, you know, they had the the camera up top, and um, those things, I had that video, and so I watched it the next week, and one thing I noticed was, this guy here had something called a bald spot back there at 17 years old for me. And I was like, man, this is scary. Like, that really scared me. Well, uh, fast forward a few years later, I actually, by the time I was 20 years old, it was like the, the depleted rainforest up there. There just wasn't a whole lot going on up there. And so I tried something. Again, you're not supposed to laugh, but some of you are already laughing at me. I tried something. And here's what I tried. I watched an infomercial on Rogaine. I'm telling you, I'm bearing my heart, right? I'm telling you everything. And so, um, I figured out, I looked at, the, at how Rogaine worked, and I figured if I cut my hair short enough, it could get to all the follicles in the hair, you know, they're, they're still alive and grow some hair. And let me tell you, my hair began to grow back like a Chia pet. <laughs> like, literally, like, when it started growing back out, it was thick, and people were like, whoa! Well, it didn't last but for a few more years, and um, after um, a couple years later, my hair really looked bad, really bad. So, I took Neil Diamond's advice, it's better to burn out than fade away, and and so, I went ahead and got the razor, and I, and I shaved my head. Now, I was really insecure, and I was a little worried, too, because um, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I didn't date anybody. I didn't go on dates. I didn't text. I didn't call. We didn't text them back then. But, you know, I always set myself apart just for the Lord. And I was like, now I will never find a wife. No woman wants a 22-year-old bald guy. Maybe I can look like it's by choice. But the funny thing is, I was so scared of that, and I shaved my head, I, you, know, um, you know, and covered this beautiful head to the world, and they were not ready for it, but I gave it to them. 
And here's the crazy thing. Within two years, I met who is now my wife, Deanna. She met me and, and fell in love with me with this bald head because this head is just so awesome, right? I have, a, I have a saying for all the guys that are balding or balding here, God uncovers the beautiful heads, but leaves the ugly ones covered up. So women, y'all in trouble. And I was so scared of like, you know, what would happen? I was really, um, you know, fearful, even ashamed of like, you know, being bald and I'd never find the love of my life. You know, I, I looked weird. And be honest with you, the very thing I was scared of, that's not what happened. The opposite happened. Now, let's be honest today. That's kind of where it comes to with you and I with the gospel. Some of us are really scared about sharing the gospel with people. Because, you know, it's a little weird. You're like, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Yes, I believe the Bible is the word of God. You know, I believe he is the son of God. I believe he's coming again. And for the world, that's weird. You're like, okay, how about just stay away from me and doing that? But many times what we need is confidence and courage to be brave in sharing the gospel. And what we're going to look at today in 2 Timothy 1 is actually a 2,000-year-old letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. He planted um, tons of churches in the New Testament the first century. No churches existed. Hardly any Christians existed anywhere. And this guy went from city to city starting churches from scratch. It's amazing. And on his journey, he actually met a young man named Timothy in the city of Lystra on one of his mission trips. And Timothy was a very interesting guy because he was half Jew and half Greek. Paul was a 100% Jew. And what was interesting about that is he could minister to the Greeks and minister to the Jews, so he was very helpful to the ministry. So Paul takes Timothy on, um, he begins to mentor him, pour into him, teach him about, you know, uh, the, the, the gospel, about Christ, and those things. He traveled with Paul, and then Timothy ends up pastoring the largest church in the first century called the church at Ephesus. And so if you read Ephesians, if you read, you know, in the book of Acts, um, you know, chapter 19 with the Ephesian revival, if you read when Jesus talks about the church at Ephesus in Revelation, that's that church. And Timothy pastored that church, most scholars believe that the other six churches in Revelation were planted from Ephesus. Because Ephesus was like an L.A. or New York. It was a metropolis in that day and time, and the church was large. And so Timothy, being a younger guy, takes this huge church over. Ephesus does not like the gospel. The government leaders don't like the gospel. They hate Jesus, and they, they want nothing to do with him. Because their whole economy in Ephesus was built off this goddess named Diana or Artemis. So every job you had... Imagine every job in here, you're doing something to promote Artemis or Diana, right? Like, that's your job. And so, when you became a Christian, you're like, no, no, no. I don't worship Artemis. I don't worship Diana. I worship Jesus. And I'm not making these little stupid statues anymore. We're not worshiping that junk. We're worshiping Jesus. Matter of fact, these guys, when Paul had the first revival there, these guys came. I'm talking about millions of dollars of witchcraft, books, and trinkets they burned to say, I'm following Jesus fully. So Ephesus, the economy was affected by the gospel. And so Timothy ends up pastoring this church and of course being a younger leader, hostile environment, false teachers. He has some things that he's dealing with and he's suffering from as well. And so when you read this, I want you to understand what Timothy's uh, writing here, uh, facing here. Paul doesn't write this to be a hallmark card. The Bible is not a bunch of random verses that he was like, oh, I'm going to write this. Oh, I'm going to write that. This is a person to a person. People say, I don't believe the Bible. It's a letter, guys. <laughs> and what we're going to read 
is a real letter from a mentor to a protege who is facing real things. I want us to, in context, begin to read and look at 1 Timothy 1, um, uh, and we'll go through uh, verse 18 here. If you've not read your Bible all week, guess what? You get your Bible reading today. Say thank you, Pastor, right? All right. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life that he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son, his son in the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace and mercy and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience just as my ancestors did. Night and day, watch this, I constantly remember you in my prayers. That's encouraging, right? That his mentors like say, man, I'm praying for you all the time, night and day. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears when we parted. Now, at this point, Paul is in a Roman prison, and as you'll read in chapter 4, he's getting ready to die. This is the end of Paul's life. It's his last letter. And so, you see that Paul's from a prison writing this to Timothy. He says, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. Now watch this here. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now watch this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and self-discipline. So Paul's right there for a second. We think, we take that one verse, like, yeah, God's not giving us a spirit of fear, you know? Like, because we're scared of like, you know, losing our job or we're scared of what, you know, um, things in the world. But Timothy was fearful about what he was facing in that church. Bring it home to him first. Timothy was fearful about leading such a large church. He had problems with fear. But watch what his fear was based in. I want you to watch this here because you're going to see the word ashamed here four times. He says, and don't, it says, and don't be ashamed or never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. That's what he's fearful about. Do you understand what context he's fearful about now? It's not just random fear. I'm just fearful. Oh, I'm fearful. He's scared. Don't be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And watch this. Here's a second fear. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. People were talking trash about Paul. False teachers were saying, if he really was of God, he wouldn't be in prison for the gospel. And that's what they were saying to him. And so Timothy was, number one, scared to share the gospel because you could get killed. Um, Number two, Timothy was scared. Um, and fearful about kind of being ashamed of Paul. Like, oh yeah, maybe they're right because he's in prison. If he's following God, maybe he wouldn't be. Now watch this here. With strength, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made um, plain, uh, made all of his, uh, excuse me, all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news. That's the gospel. And God chose me to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of this good news. This is why I'm suffering here in prison, because he was trying to give Timothy context. Don't be ashamed. Watch this. But I am not ashamed of it. You see ashamed again? 
For I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. And that begins to encourage Timothy, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been trusted to you. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. This book here, you'll see where people you read about earlier begin to desert and betray Paul. And he gives two of them by name. He puts them on blast. It's just not on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, y'all. It is in the Bible forever, right? Way to go. <laughs> Even Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show special kindness, watch this, to Onesphorus and all his family because he often visited me and encouraged me. He was never what? Ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was to me in Ephesus. So we see here in these 18 verses, there's a theme. A real man writes to another real man, and he was ashamed of the gospel. He was ashamed of Paul being in prison. He was fearful about those things. And so when we look at that, and we look at those 18 verses, I want you to look at this here. Here's what we have to take away today for us. And watch, here's your big idea. Write this in your notes. Being ashamed of the gospel will result in concealing the gospel. Being ashamed of the gospel will result in concealing the gospel. I mean, realize that wherever you're at, you are called to be a preacher. Not, not blasting people, not going after them, but every one of us are missionaries. You think that you hate the job that you're at, and why would God, you know, why does God have me there? God sent you there to be salt and light. He sent you there to pray that place up. He sent you wherever you're at. He dictated the boundaries before you were born to be there, to be a light for the gospel. And when we're ashamed of the gospel, we conceal it. We hide it. I call it like gospel Rogaine. I was ashamed of this beautiful head, and so I tried to cover it up with Rogaine. Some of us try to cover the gospel up with our own form of Rogaine in our life. We don't mention that we're a Christian. What are you doing Sunday? Oh, I'm going to church. What did you say? You going to church? I'm going to church. Like, what are you reading? But, um, um, it's just an ancient history book. Nothing, nothing there to see. <laughs> All of us in our context are, are, are somewhat, in some places, with some people, fearful or ashamed of the gospel. And anytime we have that in us, we don't share the gospel. Now, you may think here, like we call music gospel, in that day and time, there were no Christians when they went into a city. We think revival is like getting a bunch of Christians together and worshiping for seven nights and feeling good. Revival then was, nobody knows Jesus in the city. Paul, Timothy, and Silas are going in, and when they leave, a church will be started. That's crazy. That's revival. Millions of dollars of books are burned. Thousands are turning to Jesus. That's what it was. So the gospel was key to the first century church. Now we put it on the back burner. It's like, well, we don't really need to share the gospel because everybody in America knows it. Well, here's the thing. You know, America's the third largest mission field in the world. Over 70 million have never heard the gospel. Yeah, they've heard about Jesus. They've heard about Christians and, and those things. But there are people 
that have come to thrive who have never owned a Bible, didn't know what the word salvation meant, didn't know any of these things, didn't have the liberty of those things. And so this is what's crucial that we can't be ashamed and conceal the gospel. And here's why. We have the cure for the disease. Do you know the thing that mankind has never overcame and can't figure it out? It's called death. No one's ever figured this thing out yet, right? They tried to mummify people. They tried to do different things. They're all dead. Death, hell, and the grave are the disease. Sin is the disease. And we have the cure. His name is Jesus. He not only got up from the dead, but he walked on this earth. He taught for 40 days and they saw him ascend to the right hand of God. He didn't die again. He's overcome death on the grave. He gives us righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And when you know Jesus, you have the greatest joy ever, right? We have the cure for the disease. And if we're ashamed of the gospel, if we're ashamed of the good news, and then people don't get the cure. Some of them don't even know they, that, that they have a disease. They're like, I'm fine. I don't need that junk. I don't need church. And, but they're just miserable. I drove by a guy today who I know is rejecting the gospel. I just watch him. He just, there's no joy there. He's not like, hey, man, good to see you. Man, life's crazy. He's like, lives in a great neighborhood. He's like, walking his dog. We have the cure. But many times we end up not sharing the gospel for some reason because we're ashamed of it or we're fearful just like Timothy was. And let's be honest, just like I am. There's times I'm scared to mention I'm a pastor in my neighborhood because the moment that I do that, you get this like you know, black mark on you where you're like, don't invite that guy to anything because he's the Bible thumper. Right? You think being a Christian's hard? Try being a pastor. That's even harder. Here's what Paul says in Romans 10. He wrote to the church in Rome. And the same thing, the gospel was center-focused in the first century. He says in Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him, meaning Jesus, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And he keeps going, verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. That's why our value of mission matters so much. Believers live, our, our value is not missions, it's mission. That every believer should live on mission 24-7. Romans 10, 14, and 15 is not for me, it's for all of us in here you are missionaries. You are sent by God to your neighborhood, to your community. And I'm not saying beat down the door and be mean to people and say, and everything's Jesus and be obnoxious, please, right? We're called to be salt and light. What happens if you get too much salt on food? It's terrible. And some Christians are just way too much salt, right? Too much light blinds you. I turned the light on this morning to change my son's diaper when we got up. And he's just like, daddy, light blinding, too bright. And that's all. We need to be salt and be light. And that's what we're called to do 24-7. How can they know unless someone tells them? Here's what else he says too. I love this in Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. Again, Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. 
It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. It is the power of God at work. Let me tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than when the gospel touches a life and touches a heart and it's transformed. It's beautiful. It just transforms. It's like, I remember before I knew Jesus, I was, man, I was like, the Bible, as the Bible, the song says, I was, I, was re- I was wretched. I was so far from God. And when the gospel touched my life, when the good news touched my life, it transformed me. And there's nothing more beautiful than the gospel transforming lives. Do you know today when we were saying, we're waiting here for you, I said, God, I'm just, I want to see lives changed. If they're a Christian, give them a spark. Remove this religiosity of just coming to church. May they fall in love with you. Stir their affections. If they don't know you here, God, I pray you'd open their eyes and transform them because he can break any addiction. He can restore any marriage. He can bring light to the dark places in your life. That's, That's the power of God at work. I just think the power of God's lining people up at revivals and watching them all bop out. Then nothing happened. They're the same people. You want to see the power of God at work? You want to see the power of God at work? Watch the gospel touch somebody's life. It transforms them. So here's the one thing today, guys. One thing that we have to do. And here's our next step. We can't let fear cause us to conceal the gospel. We can't let fear cause us to conceal the gospel. Timothy was fearful. Well, how do you know? Paul says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. And it wasn't just fear about random things in the world out there. It wasn't just anxiety. It was being fearful of the good news. What will people think? Or will I be good enough? See, we all had those fears, right? I'll be honest with you. I had the same fears too that you do. I get really nervous sharing the gospel. I get really nervous talking about Jesus. I mean, because I'm a preacher, number one, so they, they expect me to be really religious. So I'm trying to like not be the religious, but like you know, but share Jesus and how I believe in him and he's changed my life. And man, you should have seen me before. I just share my testimonies. That's all that I know. They may disagree with the Bible. They can't disagree with that, right? Because my life has been changed. That's evidence. But oftentimes we do fear what people think, don't we? We fear how they feel about us. What will they think about us? Will they like me. You know, one of the times I remember in Richmond, um, before I ever moved here, I, I played a show here my band as a punk rock band, Christian punk band, in 2000, and, I don't know, 2000, 2001 maybe. We played at a place called The Hole in the Wall. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, some of y'all have. I don't know if it's even here in Richmond anymore. Somebody says on Cary Street. I don't remember. I remember it was dingy, it was dark, and it was, it was actually was the scariest place we'd ever played a show at. Like, literally, like, we're playing and usually we'll hang out with the other bands afterwards and we'll try to like, you know, again, be light to the darkness and salt to the earth. And we played that show. I didn't share anything about Jesus. I didn't talk about it. I remember like, I was like, I was like Lord, I'm not saying, I'm, we'll get killed out here. Like literally, like as soon as we got through playing, we were loaded into the back of the van and we were gone. We, left, we literally left immediately. We didn't get a check. We didn't find out. We didn't look for money. I was like, look, man, we got, because there were skinheads there. There were all these really, like, punk rock scenes rough. And so, we left. And I'll never forget the Lord just, just driving home. I felt so terrible about not sharing the gospel. Because I not only just feared getting beat up, but I, like, feared, you know, what they would think about me. This is a hardcore punk rock place. What would they think about me? I'll never forget that drive home. I mean, I, I fear what people think. We also fear being inadequate. 
I mean, can I really do this? Why do they have questions about the Red Sea or the Reed Sea? Or I saw something on History Channel and it said this and said that. I mean, I don't know the answers to any of those questions. I, mean, I don't know if I can share the gospel. Am I smart enough? Do I know enough about the Bible? Do I know enough about all these questions you're going to have? And so if I share that, can I answer all them? I don't think I can do this. Sometimes we fear that we're not holy enough. You think, man, I'm not good enough to tell somebody else about the gospel. God can't use me. I'm not like in the right place. I need to be sharing that. I need to get more prayed up. I need to read more. I need to, and, and, and so we look at a win-then mentality. One day I'll be ready to share the gospel, but not today. My son, I'll say, son, do you have a beard? He'll say, no, daddy, I don't have a beard today, but one day I'll have a beard, but not today. And that's how we treat the gospel not, with not being good enough. Maybe one day I'll be good enough and I'll be holy enough that God can actually use me. And probably the greatest fear is being rejected. You know, the number one phobia with people in America is public speaking. Number one fear. You know why it's the number one fear? Because we all care what people think. I don't care what anybody thinks. Okay, hop on up here and, 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 and let, let all y'all look, look, look at you, you know? <laughs> I mean, the, the, some of the faces, it's like, <sighs> no, no, it's not that bad. I'm joking. Stop looking around. You're like, but so that's the number one fear is like public speakers. We do care deeply what people think about us. It's how we're wired. And all those fears tie in to the gospel and being ashamed. And we can't let fear cause us to hide the gospel, to put Rogaine on it. You think this head is beautiful and was meant to show the world? The gospel is even more beautiful, right? And the world needs the gospel. We shouldn't care and fear what people think about us. Listen, God believes that you can do this. While I was in San Francisco on vacation, my wife and I found Baker Beach, and we were excited about this shot of the Golden Gate Bridge that we were going to get. We were stoked about it. And so, like, we're walking, and there's this lady, like, man, 100 yards in front of us. We kept trying to take pictures, and she's in the picture. I'm like, oh. So, we walk fast and catch up with her and get kind of, get, you know, so, so we can kind of get around her. She gets to the, she beats us to the rocks where we want us. Fine. So, but as we get there, check this, check this. I ain't lying, y'all. A naked dude popped out. I'm, I, I didn't say naked. I didn't say naked. Naked. If you're in the South, naked means he ain't, he ain't have nothing but a hat on. <laughs> and so we were walking, oh, whoa, whoa. And I'm talking, the man was just happy. And, 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 and he, it, it was a nude beach and we didn't know it, right? Right? Yeah. So we're just like, so we're like, you know, we're just, and, and you act like it's normal. It, he was kind of, something was wrong there, um, you know. And so anyway, like, we, we actually go on the rocks with that lady, and she feels the same way. Um, and so we're sitting there, and we're like, oh, and we're taking pictures. But this guy just didn't care. He just didn't care what people thought. Just like, I mean, and I thought pretty bad stuff. I mean, if I wasn't a Christian, if I wasn't a believer, if I didn't love Jesus, I would probably have kicked him or pushed him or something bad. I'm not, but that, 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 I didn't do that. Don't look at me like that. He needs the gospel. I am, I, I just can't do it, y'all. <laughs> he needs to get clothes on first. So, it, he didn't care what people thought about him, right? That's how we should be about the gospel. Just like, I follow Jesus and I love Jesus. I don't care any of y'all think. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. We shouldn't care what people think. We also shouldn't feel that we're inadequate. Yes, you're inadequate. Yes, I am inadequate. We're all inadequate. But God makes us strong when we are weak. When you think you can't do it, then you have 
to depend upon God to do it. When you have this brazen boldness that you can just do it, then you don't need God's strength. But when you're humble, you're like, God, I can't do this. I'm scared. I need your help to share the gospel with these people. We fear not being holy enough. Listen to me. We should all strive for maturity. We should all try strive for sanctification. That means being set apart, getting rid of things and pursuing God. We should all be striving for that. But let me tell you, if you're, if you're a sincere follower of Jesus, grace is never an excuse to do what you want to do. If grace has touched your life, it empowers you to do what you never thought you could do. That's good right there. Some of y'all may get that on the ride home. So here's the deal. If you don't feel good enough, here's the deal with sincere believers. There's only two types of people in the world. Justified and unjustified. They're redeemed or not redeemed. And if you're redeemed and you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And when God sees you, he sees Jesus. You have the righteousness of Christ. Don't feel like I'm not good enough, I'm not prayed up enough. Man, you say you'll never be good enough. The only way you can approach a holy God is by the blood of Jesus. Because it was shed for you to give you access to a holy God. Right? So when you're approaching those situations, you're like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm good. I don't know if I'm holy enough. I don't know if I'm spiritual enough. Man, listen, you'll never be. And the moment you think you are, you're actually pride, pride, full of pride, uh, pride right? You're never going to be holy enough. And don't let fear of being rejected hold you back. Jesus was rejected. He came to his own and his own creation received him not often fear rejection. I remember on a plane ride, I never get to watch a lot of TV and stuff like that. Um, I set aside time in the fall for football. That's about it. And so I'm like watching TV on this plane uh, a few months ago. And I saw this TED talk and this guy was about, about being rejected. And I was like, I want to check this out. So as I watched this, this TED talk, this young Asian guy in California shares about what he did. He was so scared of rejection. He was scared of being rejected by anything and everything. Like one day, like he's going to try to overcome it. He said, I'm going to go up and ask this guy over here for $100. And he goes up and says, sir, um, may I have $100? And the guy's like, why? And he gets scared and walked off. And he really was just scared of being rejected. And he was rejected. And so he did an experiment for 100 days. He did, he, he mapped out something every day to do that he could be rejected for. And by the end of his experiment, he filmed it and would show different things. By the end of his experiment, it was to carry a plant to a stranger's house and say, sir, may I plant this in your backyard? And so he goes and he, and he knocks on the door. The guy says, no. He's, he learns about rejection. He said, well, why not? Well, he says, I don't really want a plant. Well, why not? It's a plant. It's a free plant. Well, I, I'm not good at keeping plants. All my plants are dead out back. But I tell you what, I've got a neighbor that would love it. You want us to walk over and let's plant that in her backyard. Let's go see her. They knocked on the door and they planted that in her backyard. And he said, man, he was so scared of being rejected. And being rejected over and over again taught him to overcome that fear. And most times, most of the time people won't reject you. Most of the time people are actually open to an invite to church. You know that? Most of the time people are open to hearing about what Jesus has done for you despite what media tells us. It's our fear of being rejected. Let me close here with this story. Because I shared with you about when I didn't share the gospel. I'll never forget when I was in Roseburg, Oregon. And we played a show there. My friend Nate, um, 
who hosted shows. He actually did secular shows and brought Christian bands in to be salt to these kids. These kids, non-Christians wouldn't come to Christian shows. They didn't want to hear Christian bands. And so we would go and play. And we went and played in Roseburg, Oregon. The place was packed. Like it was so packed that kids were pressing against us. And I'll never forget that night. I felt the Lord tell me to just share the gospel briefly and share what he had done in my life. And so I shared about Jesus and dying and rising again. And he's at the right hand of God. I mean, he's just changed our life. And if you want to know more about Jesus, please come talk to us. And the kids were just listening. They were like leaned in. And Nate came to me afterwards. Nate Allen came to me. And Nate said, Kevin, he says, thank you. He says, any band that comes through gives a watered down version and the kids reject it. They walk out and they get angry. He says, but I've never seen the kids actually tonight look and listen to what said to them, man, you made an impact in their life. They may have not bought our merchandise and how we will get to the next show. Right? That's, that's why, that's, that's a good reason not to share the gospel, but I shared the gospel. Listen, guys, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. We cannot let fear cause us to conceal the cure to the disease. Now, here's, here's what I want you to do. When you're out and about in your daily routine, when you're, when, when you're living your life, I'm not asking you to kick down doors. Right? Don't say Jesus about everything. I'm hungry. Woo, I'm hungry for righteousness. And uh, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm not, I, don't, don't be obnoxious, right? But be spirit sensitive. So that like you're waiting for the opportunity that when somebody gently opens a door, you start that conversation. My neighbor yesterday, I'm driving out and, and, and they just moved in from California and we're saying, hey, guys, I'm headed to a wedding. So have fun. I said, I guess it'll be fun. I'm actually performing at the wedding. She's like, oh, because you know, I was a minister. So like, so now I'll get to start a conversation with them. But I built a friendship already with them. And man, I'm just praying that my whole cul-de-sac will come to know Jesus because none of them go to church. None of them know the Lord. That's my prayer. But I cannot be ashamed of the gospel. I cannot let fear cause me to put that rogaine on to get some coverage for the gospel so that you see it. I've got to be Jesus-focused and be spirit-sensitive. Wait for the opportunities, and God will give them to you. Let's pray, guys. Father, this morning we thank you for the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. We thank you, Lord, that today we can look at this 2,000-year-old letter and gain insight from it. So what we ask, Lord, is this. Help us overcome fear. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline or sound mind. You've done that for us, not just so we can just be happy, but so we can not be ashamed of the gospel to tell others about Jesus. So I pray today for everybody's personal fears, wherever it may be, that, Lord, you would help them overcome that. May we be open to the Holy Spirit in the moment to share the good news, no matter what the outcome is. I pray for every person right here, God, as they go to their neighborhoods, their communities, to their jobs, to schools, wherever you've commissioned them out, God. I pray they would understand they are living on mission and they are missionaries for you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for eternal life given through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And today as we're praying church and having a sacred moment before, before God, some of you can come here today and you need to know Jesus. You need a fresh start. You want to experience the joy, the peace, and the righteousness that comes from the Holy Spirit. Your sins need to be forgiven. 
Jesus today has been drawing you. That's why you're here at church on this Sunday. You didn't get drugged here. Jesus is drawing, drawing you here. And so right now, what I'm going to do in, in a second is ask you if you want to give your life to Jesus to lift your hand. But it's simple. It literally is you confessing Jesus as Lord and receiving the forgiveness of sins. So today in this place, maybe, you know, situation you know that God called you here for this new start to either commit for the first time ever or recommit your life to Jesus. If today at Thrive Church you say, Kevin, God brought me here today just to give my life to Him. That's me, Kevin. If that's you, Jesus. And God, today, 